You are listening to Haftorah, the Shir series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftorah. And here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parshios are Achremos and Kedoshim. Another double Parsha, which means another double header of Haftorah coming your way. The first Shir this week will dedicate to the Haftorah for Parshas Achremos, and the second Shir we will devote to the Haftorah for Parshas Kedoshim. And as we are going to see over these next couple of Shirim, um, especially in the next one, that the Haftarah for Parshas Kedoshim is a very rare Haftarah, one of those Haftarahs that's almost never read. That Haftarah also happens to be the Haftarah for Achimos, according to the Sephardic tradition. And in the next year, we will talk about why this Haftarah is so rare. But just to understand how rare it is, just for one example at least, normally when we have a double Parsha, what we do is we read the Haftarah for the second of the two Parshios. Right, last week we didn't do it because last week was Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, even though we had Tazriyah Mitzorah. But suppose it wasn't Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, we would have read the Haftarah for Parshas Mitzorah, not for that of Tazriyah. Almost always we read the Haftarah for the second of the two Parshios. Usually that is because we want the Maftir to match the Haftarah. So if the, if the Maftir is from Parshas Mitzorah, we want the Haftarah to be whatever the Haftarah is supposed to be for that of Mitzorah. Now, when it comes to Achimos Kedoshim, according to the Ashkenazic tradition, when the two parashios coincide, so we actually read the Haftarah, not for Parshas Kedoshim, but we read the Haftarah for Achimos. And not only that, but suppose the Haftarah for Achimos is pushed away because, let's say, it's Machar Chodesh or it's Rosh Chodesh or... Maybe even Shabbos HaGadol, sometimes Achremos coincides with Shabbos HaGadol, it's a little bit more rare. But whenever that happens, then by the time we get to Parshas Kedoshim, we end up reading the Haftarah for Achremos. Meaning we skip the Haftarah for Kedoshim, we instead read the Haftarah for Achremos, even when Achremos and Kedoshim aren't even read together. And since there is overlap between Achremos and Kedoshim, we're not so worried about using a Haftarah from a completely different Parsha because the Parshas are actually related. How are those two Parshas related, Achremos and Kedoshim? Well, you can go back to the Parsha Panorama series to hear more about the connections between Achremos and Kedoshim, or you could just take my word for it. But why would you do that? Now, again, we're going to be discussing the Haftarah for Parshas Achremos, and since we are following the Ashkenazic tradition, we're going to look at the Ashkenazic Haftar for Achremos, which is from Amos. And, you know, even if it sounds like there's an alliteration between Achremos and Amos, um, the words are not related at all. It just works out really nicely, though. And, of course, we're following the Ashkenazic tradition because I'm Ashkenaz, so you're just going to have to bear with me for that. And, again, more on the rarity and the reason for the rarity of the Haftar for Parshas Kedoshim in the very next shir. But in the meantime, we dedicate this shir as we look at the Haftarah for Achremos, which comes to us from Amos Perek Tes. And this Haftarah is a particularly short Haftarah. It goes from Pasuk Zayin to Tes Vav, so it's only eight Pesukim long. This is, again, um, um, this is rare for a Haftarah, which is actually frequently read. The, again, the Haftarah for Achremos. And we will talk now about what exactly this Haftar is. We'll also give a shout out to the fact that we are um, using another one of the Treyasar. And this is the second time we visit Amos. The last time we saw Amos as a Haftar was when we were doing the Haftar for Parshas Vayeshev, which made reference to the fact that 
the the brothers sold Yosef for a pair of shoes, even though it's not explicitly referenced there in the Navi, but at least Chazal understood the Pesukim that way, according to one reading. And so now we return to Amos for a different message. Right, we're not looking um, so in the previous um, Haftar for Amos that was in Parak Beis and Parak Gimel, but once again we're going to Parak Tess to talk about um, something very interesting. Um, apparently, the Haftarah begins by telling us, hey, you're not Ethiopians, are you? Or are you Ethiopians? He, he refers to the Bnei Israel, the Navi refers to the Bnei Israel as Kushian. And the question is, why? What exactly is the context? So, so the Haftarah itself opens with this verse, Pasuk Zayin, Halo Kushim atem li Bnei Israel neum Hashem. Are you not like the children of the, of the Kushim, um, or children of, of, of Israel, the Bnei Israel, says Hashem? Did I not bring Israel up from the land of Mitzrayim, from the Plishtim, and from Kaftor and Aram and Kir? So Rashi over here tells us what's the reference to the Bnei Kushim. So it basically says, Why should I hold back from, from paying retribution against you? You didn't return to me. You came from Noach. Like all other nations. And you are like Kushim, as the Paskin Yirmiyo says in 1323, can a Kushi change the color of his skin? As if to say that you are so set in your ways that you are not in, intending on improving because you're stuck in your ways. So just like a Kushi can't change his color, you are refusing and rendering yourself, as it were, unable to change your color, to change your ways. So that is what the Navi says in the opening of our Haftar. Now, what exactly does that have to do with anything? So, let's talk about what Achimos is about. Maybe we can get a little bit of an understanding. Because Achimos itself devotes a major chapter to, well, at least at first, to the laws of the Yom Kippur service, apparently in response to the deaths of Nadav and Aviyah, that is the name of the Parsha, Achimos, Shnei B'nei Aaron. So it's after the, the death of the sons of Aaron, Nadav and Aviyah. Then the Sidra appears to digress discuss a plethora of other miscellaneous laws, most famously or perhaps infamously the laws of Arayos, illicit relationships. And at the outset, it's, a cha- it's challenging to identify a unifying theme in Achremos. But as usual, perhaps the Aftori can provide us some further perspective. So again, what exactly is Amos discussing? Well, in rebuking the Bnei Israel for their Averis, the Navi makes a point that Hashem had delivered them from Mitzrayim, just as he had delivered Plishtim from Kaftor and Aram and from Kir. And the, the, the Radak actually understands these deliverances as prophetic references to future events. We're going to assume the Pashup shot that they are referring to past events. And a simple question one can ask about this particular talking point is why it is at all relevant to the rebuke of the Bnei Israel. So first of all, is it directly relevant that once upon a time Hashem brought Bnei Israel up from Egypt? Perhaps it gives the Bnei Israel more of a responsibility to obey Hashem, but if that's the case, then why does the Navi also then mention Hashem's apparent relationship with the Plishtim and Aram? It's a little bit strange. Why should the Bnei Israel be interested in how Hashem had possibly gotten other nations out of tight spots so that Hashem should say, oh, so what about you guys? Like, what does Hashem's rescue of other nations have to do with us? So the Mitzvah Stavit explains simply that the Navi um, references these salvations of other nations with the intention of setting up a contrast between Hashem's relationship with the Bnei Israel and his relationship with the nations of the world. After all, the Bnei Israel were not the only subjects of Hashem's kindnesses and Hashem's 
salvations. Yet Hashem's selection and elevation of the Bnei Israel from Mitzrayim was one of exponentially different and larger purpose. Meaning, Hashem says, yeah, I've rescued other nations before, but you're supposed to be different. But just to demonstrate the point, the Navi goes on to explain how when it comes to the Bnei Israel, Hashem has set his eyes on the sinful kingdom and intends to destroy it, me'al penehadama, literally from on the face of the soil. However, assures the Navi, Hashem will not destroy the entirety of Beis Yaakov, the household of Yaakov. And the Navi then promises that Hashem will sift the Bnei Israel like grain from among the nations and re-erect the Sukkos David Hanofalas, the fallen Sukkah of David, in other words, the Beis Hamikdash. And ultimately, he declares that the captives of Yisrael will be returned to their land where they will rebuild cities, plant vineyards, and drink the wine they produce, cultivate gardens, and eat the fruits of their labor. But more importantly than their own plantings, the Navi says that Hashem, too, will also do a planting. He will plant the Bnei Israel al-Admasam, back on their soil, where they will be uprooted no longer from the land that he has given them. Now, beyond the wordplay and imagery, which are all absolutely beautiful and inspiring, the Navi is telling us that the relationship between the Bnei Israel and Hashem is permanently forged by their destiny to return to their holy soil. Right, so they, they were kicked out, me'al p'nei hadama, and then they're going to be replanted, alad masam. Whereas the other nations are transiently moved about, entrapped by one nation one day, perhaps delivered on the next, the one-tracked destiny of the Bnei Israel, as Hashem's chosen people, sees them focused on returning to the Holy Land of Israel. That's where it begins and that's where it ends. And that is the emphasis of this Haftarah, the destiny of the Bnei Israel to be alad masam, on their holy soil. But what will it take to replant the Bnei Israel in its holy soil? And here is where I believe Ahremos comes in. Because the Sidra begins with the absolute sensitivity of the Kedusha of lands, the Kedushas HaMakom, starting from the most holiest area, the Makom HaMikdash. Because Nadav and Avio overstepped their boundary and did not properly revere the sensitivity of the holy area, at least in the Kodesh HaKadashim, they were killed. Right, when they when they entered the Mishkan. And according to one opinion, they even entered the Kodesh HaKadashim of the Mishkan. The whole institution of the Yom Kippur Avodah is to underscore this sensitivity and to instill a reverence that allows us to relate to Hashem in His holiest place. To enable a Kohen Gadol to be the ambassador of Klai Israel to enter the holiest place in the world. But it doesn't stop at the Makam HaMikdash. Like Amos... The Sidra as well contrasts the Bnei Israel from other nations, particularly Mitzrayim and Canaan, warning the Bnei Israel not to copy their abominable practices. Now again, the Torah doesn't have to say, oh, don't act like the people of this land or the people of that land. It could just say, don't do Avera X and don't do Chet Y. Don't do these sinful acts. Why does it need to use places as reference points? And the answer is because there are differences when it comes to Kedusha Samakom, right? To put things into perspective, they were once in Mitzrayim, Hashem takes them out of Mitzrayim, and He transplants them, He replants them back onto holier land. And when He does, He does so with the warning that this land is a sensitive land. Right? The Torah emphasizes Mitzrayim and Canaan because the immorality which is considered tolerable in other lands 
will not be tolerated by the Holy Land on the holy soil. And as a result, the lifestyle of sexual immorality, for example, which the Torah then discusses later in our Parsha, takes on greater gravity than that of just sin. But the Holy Land's sensitivity cannot tolerate it. And as such, the Torah emphasizes multiple times in our Parsha that Eretz Yisrael will, in its literal reading, it will vomit out those who commit such acts. Meaning, don't do like the people of Mitzrayim behind you, and don't do like the people of Canaan who are in the land straight ahead, the same land that is spitting them out because of the acts that they are doing, because of their lack of sensitivity to the Kedusha Samakum. Don't copy that, lest you be vomited out as well. It's in this exact vein that the Navi in our Haftarah explains, Bacherv Yamusu Kol Ami that by the sword, all of the sinners of my people will die. Hashem is weeding out the contamination. The land is vomiting out that which it cannot take, namely the breach of Hashem's Torah, the breach of Kedusha, of holiness, which Hashem and His holy lands require of His people. And in the end, it takes true reverence of this existential holiness to get the Bnei Israel back onto its soil. Obviously, to adhere to this requisite level of holiness is not easy to say the very least, but our Sidra and Avtara highlight that sensitivity. That, that, sensitivity, that sensitivity like that in any relationship has to be felt. The relationship necessarily requires our sensitivity so that if we truly want that relationship, if it is our destiny, then we will exert ourselves until we're acutely attuned to that sensitivity. Then, Bez Rosh Hashem, Hashem will return us to our holy sensitive soil. Shalabi Zoha to gain this level of sensitivity to holiness, to Kedusha, it should manifest in our actions, and Hashem should ultimately redeem us, returning us again, Alad Masenu, to our holy soil in Eretz Yisrael with the coming of the Geula and Mashiach, Of course, if you enjoyed the share, and others like it on the podcast, you want to partner up with us with a sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group where you'll find links to every uploaded share, or links to Shiorim from the past that I repost due to their relevance, then all you have to do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B E I S at gmail.com. Till next time, thank you for joining us here at the database and have a wonderful rest of your week.